This is their new hoax. But you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. During this pandemic, nurses and healthcare workers have had to be flexible, throwing their hands to new things or putting their hands up with new ideas, all in the fight against COVID-19. One of those nurses is Andrew Ingersoll. Andrew is the Chief Nursing Information Officer for Southwestern Sydney Local Health District based at Liverpool Hospital. Andrew has been instrumental in ensuring that the digital transformation the health system is undergoing runs smoothly and that the nursing and midwifery workforce has an advocate. As a qualified nurse with IT skills, he can, as he says, speak both languages. And his role is important as COVID-19 has hit and telehealth has become a key component of care. Andrew joins us now. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Connor. Much appreciated. Andrew, first off, tell us a bit about what your job was like pre-COVID. Sure. So um, my my role as the uh, District Chief Nursing Information Officer is um, it's a new role in Australia. Um, there's only a handful of us in New South Wales, uh, but our, our role is largely to advocate on behalf of the nursing and midwifery workforce as the health system starts to introduce different forms of uh, technological change. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the biggest uh, technology change that we've had in recent years has been the introduction of electronic medical records. Mm-hmm. And so my role pre-COVID has been ensuring and advocating and advising that the electronic medical records that we put into place and practice are going to not only be safe and secure, but will uh, help nurses to be able to do their job effectively, mm-hmm. which is always a challenge. I mean, it's a big challenge. Uh, the EMR is a different way of working. And uh, it, there's a lot of change management associated with it. So it's, it's an interesting landscape, but it is definitely transforming how we deliver healthcare. And I mean, you, you can talk to that better than most because, as everyone can probably hear, you are originally American, you're a dual American and Australian citizen. And as you told me prior in our conversations before this recording, you were surprised when you moved here um, that all the document, uh, documentation was kind of done and lots of things were done on paper, whereas in the, your native US it was all digital. So how for you does that affect the way that the Aussie system helps patients, that difference? Uh, well, I, I think I'm really lucky in that I learned and I was qualified and trained um, in the American system where I had done my documentation electronically and I could see the, the widespread benefits that digital documentation provides, not only to the nursing workforce, but also the safety benefits that the patients experience as well. Um, so having that, uh, having that experience and then coming to Australia 13 years ago, 
um, I felt like it was a brilliant opportunity to get involved in the digital transformation of this, the Australian healthcare system. And I can I can see where we're headed, and it's just really really exciting. In in basic terms, what are we talking? I mean, you know, speed of kind of of work, or you know, all that sort of um, paperwork, that day to day stuff going quicker, and kind of more time with patients, um, finding out stuff about patients a bit easier, all that sort of stuff. Definitely. Uh, well, first of all, things are legible, uh, <laughs> so you can actually <laughs> no, no, don't have to worry about reading somebody's uh, poor handwriting. Uh, but technology allows us to be able to do really cool, slick things with data and um, to be able to trend patient information, to be able to do cool, slick reporting and dashboards. And, and the future of artificial intelligence and machine learning is, is on the horizon. And ultimately, it helps to make the care that we provide uh, safer. Uh, it gives us insights that we would potentially otherwise miss in a paper environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that transparency is definitely going to help transform how we provide clinical care uh, in a digital or more digitized environment. So how has your role now changed with the advent of the pandemic? Oh, (laughs) so I think... What, what COVID has thrust upon us is the requirement to work in different ways and in virtual ways. So in the end of March, um, as the number of positive COVID cases started to increase in Australia, um, we had a number of our clinical areas requesting assistance with telehealth and to establish virtual models of care underpinned by telehealth technologies. And so what my response throughout the pandemic was to lead the upskilling of a clinical workforce of pharmacists and nurses um, in telehealth principles and practice so that they could then go out and support our clinical services that we're wanting to implement, adopt, and use. Uh, telehealth mm-hmm. as a virtual model of care and that that has been an incredible experience to see our clinical areas adopt virtual ways of working in a very short time period mm. well that's what i was going to say listening to that it sounds like I'm, i would imagine you've been working on this for a while um and maybe with no deadline or a, a long deadline in, in sight but all of a sudden march happens and it's like we can't be doing face to face. Quickly get this going. I mean, how how did how did you feel about that? Uh, well, I think that one of the things that I love about Southwestern Sydney is the resilience of the workforce and the adaptability and the creative troubleshooting. And so we were presented with the opportunity. Um, I had we were planning on doing uh, electronic medication management at one of our larger hospitals, and that got paused just before uh, April. And so we ended up with 12 clinical resources with IT skills uh, that could then support those clinical areas to implement telehealth, but they didn't know anything about telehealth. Uh, They knew everything about electronic medication management and nothing about telehealth. And so I had to quite quickly respond to that and put them through a bit of a boot camp 
to upskill them in telehealth principles and practice within a very short period of time. Uh, but they, the resilience of that team was absolutely phenomenal, and they absolutely embraced the challenge of learning about telehealth so that they could then support other clinical areas to introduce it into their models of care. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering um, how this intersects I- exactly with COVID-19, and maybe I'm assuming that people who have come through the, your health district who have tested positive for the virus have probably been kept up to date with via telehealth? Definitely. Uh, within our local health district, we supported 160 different clinical areas to introduce telehealth uh, into those mo- virtual models of care. We started with our intensive care unit and providing our intensive care units with telehealth-enabled workstations on wheels, which is essentially is a, a computer on a trolley with a webcam and a speaker. And what that provided our intensive care units was the ability for um, the clinical staff to communicate with COVID-positive family members who weren't allowed to come into the unit. Mm-hmm. So that was used for family conferences, and it also gave uh, those patients and family the ability to be able to connect virtually when the tyranny of distance was didn't allow those family members to come in and visit in a face-to-face setting. Mm. So that's one example of how we were able to use telehealth technology to support patients and families that were COVID-positive. The other benefit that we have from introducing telehealth into virtual models of care is by patients and families being able to stay at home and not have to come into the facility for a face-to-face consultation, we're reducing transmission risk by allowing people to stay at home and isolate where they need to. And so that's, that's another, another area of how we were able to, uh, where the intersection of telehealth and COVID kind of come mm. together. And, and I'm also thinking, you know, if, if I can think from maybe selfishly from a, a nurse's point of view, um, you, you guys are not superheroes and we can't probably expect you guys to always be putting yourselves on the line. So there must have been some kind of element of nurses being quite happy that telehealth can be used with, with COVID positive patients. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's definitely, there's a lot of anxiety and stress within you know, the peers that I've been working with about unnecessary exposure and transmission risk and what does that mean for me. And so to have telehealth and virtual care as an option to still be able to provide continuity of care is brilliant. So let's talk more about your role. I mean, when you kind of describe some of the things we were going to be able to do in the future, um, I mean, you're one of only three um, of your kind in New South Wales. Um, You're the first one in your district. How important is is that role going to be in the future? I mean, post-COVID, you know, you're talking about data tracking and once we're tracking um, patients and and there, you know, there's different um, things that can arise and health issues that can arise because of COVID. How important is is your role going to be in the future? Uh, I think that the role of the, well, first of all, the, the Chief Nursing Information Officer is a relatively new role in Australia. As you mentioned, there's only three of us in New South Wales there's a, a handful in Victoria, and there's a, a few others scattered around the country. Uh, but recently, as a collective group of CNIOs, we published through the Australian College of Nursing a position statement 
on the role of the chief nursing information officer in that digital health transformation piece. And so that's that position statement is available through the Australian College of Nursing's website. And it outlines and it explains the value of our role going forward in the digital transformation with or without COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that having nurses at the table when decisions about technology are being made is crucial to the successful delivery and the benefits that those technologies can deliver. Having a nurse be able to speak on behalf of the profession in those types of executive forums is so important ensuring that we get the design and the delivery right. so that it suits the needs of the nurse. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't always get it right, but we can make iterative enhancements along the way, continually striving for a better user experience for the nurse, and therefore the downstream benefits to the patient. So, moving a bit away from from the day to day data and the number crunching, um, on a personal level, I'm really interested in how kind of COVID is affecting healthcare workers in their life. I mean. How has it affected you in your everyday life? I mean, first off, I mean, your family kind of must always worry about you as a health professional in this time. How have um, the public interacted with you as a health professional? You know, what sorts of things have you experienced? Um, well, for me as a dual Australian-American citizen, um, at the moment, holding an Australian passport I'm not allowed to leave the country without an exemption. So I can't actually, if something were to happen to my family in America, I couldn't hop on a plane tomorrow. So personally, I, I have felt a lot of stress and anxiety about not being able to be at my family's side through this pandemic period. Um, and I know there's many other nurses in similar situation who either are dual nationals or permanent residents of Australia whose family and loved ones may be overseas. And it's really difficult. Um, My mother is in an aged care facility in America and they've got COVID positive patients in their facility and COVID positive staff members. Um, So I think about it every day, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely feelings of feeling trapped and helplessness, but I do have to say that the my organization's um, employee assistance wellness group um, has been fantastic, and the mental health from support from my colleagues has been spectacular. Uh, so I take comfort and knowing that I'm surrounded by a good support structure here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I think that is an important point. I think it was said a lot at the start of the pandemic when we were all locked down. Um, but there is, gonna, you know, probably going to be a wave of mental health issues if, if and when we get out the other side of this. So I think it is really a really important point you raise. And you know, if there's any nurses listening, yeah, I think reach out to to any programs that are available to you. Definitely, definitely. Um, the the 
the benefit to me of being able to seek some support has been I've been able to express myself and my stresses and my feelings of helplessness um, with a you know a trained professional who can then provide me with their tips and tricks on how I can approach different situations to help manage that stress and anxiety during this period. So it's been absolutely um, fantastic to have that. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that trickles down as, as you're in a leadership role, um, that would probably trickle down to, to the people you work with and, and the colleagues below you. Oh, absolutely. Because I've got that personal experience, um, I said to those clinicians that I was supporting through that or leading through as a, the telehealth squad, I said to them, you know, reach out to our employee assistance program, our wellness, our wellness group, if you need to, because that's what they're there for. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of by putting your hand up and saying, I need to talk to somebody. So it's, Yes, as a, as a leader, being able to convey my personal experiences to my team has been wonderful. Well, look, Andrew, thank you very much for giving us a small insight into to your unique role. Um, and on a personal level, I love it when we get to speak to, to nurses who are in the field at the minute. And um, yeah, thanks very much for the work you're doing during a, a pandemic. Of course. Thank you very much. All right. Andrew Ingersoll, thanks for joining us.